Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. This is a heck of a story. You probably won't hear Alan Omar saying anything about this. But a, um, a Hindu woman, a woman who was uh, an American citizen, originally came from Hindu, uh, from, uh, from, I'm sorry, from India, but is a Hindu. Um, her name is Duda. Her last name is Duda. And uh, she, um, she was defamed as being a white supremacist by the Democrats in Virginia at the uh, state Senate and uh, was voted down. 22 to 18 to serve on the Virginia Board of Education appointed by Governor Youngkin. I guess Dennis Prager can be a white nationalist just as a Hindu woman can be a white supremacist. Onward, you will note from Powerline that if you say a good thing about the Declaration of Independence or Constitution... You will also be sent down. As one board member, Ann Holton, said about a nominee who had referenced that socialism and communism are incompatible with democracy and individual freedoms found in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, this Democrat board member, Ann Holton, said you cannot reference the Declaration of Independence and Constitution as remarkable documents without also acknowledging that they contain fundamental flaws of enshrining slavery and limiting the protections that they provided for only to white, propertied men. Well, are we now controlling what people can say about the Declaration of Independence? You can't mention it or reference it without also saying lies about it? Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass both called both documents glorious liberty documents. Would they have been voted down by the Democrats if they were appointed to the Virginia Board of Education? Boy, I'm telling you, these pretexts, these sloppy uses of racialism, all for the purpose of enshrining exactly what this board member was talking about, socialism and communism, this is why Youngkin was elected in the first place. All right. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Congressman David Schweiker, representing Arizona's first congressional district, whence we wherein we sit, and um, get his thoughts on what he heard at the State of the Union last night and some of the proposals floated up by the president. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. I'm sorry if there's some weird noise. I'm in the cloakroom. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm about to manage part of the evening floor time, so... Yeah, you know, better it, you it, than me. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to do actually a very difficult floor speech tonight because I'm going to try, try to help people understand how much trouble we're actually in. And look, there's two ways to get yourself unelected. Do, say something stupid or say something brutally truthful. Yeah. And <laughs> it turns out, <laughs> oh, it's true. I, 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 you guys see some of the angry email we get, you know, from my floor speeches saying, that can't be true. Oh, and, and, and the numbers are, you do realize the Congressional Budget Office baseline, baseline, 
says in 10 years, we have about a, a $2.6 trillion a year borrowing. And that's baseline. That's with no recessions, no wars, no pandemics, nothing. Um, and then you get a president who goes behind the microphone last night and basically promises all sorts of other handouts. It's just, is the for the Democrats is winning so important that they're willing to burn down the country? Well, the answer is probably yes. Um, probably yes. They they don't see the consequences. We've seen it with the border. They don't care about the consequences. We've seen it with the border for sure. In real time, certainly in Arizona, we have. You've been you've been a great hawk on that. I was really interested. Um, I mean, there was a lot that was weirdly said last night. This this billionaire tax plan because billionaires are paying less taxes than teachers and firefighters. I mean, that is just such an easy fact check. And what that plan involves is just such an odd thing. You were talking also on Twitter uh, and had a great statement on the stock buyback tax lowering living standards. You want to say a word about that? Um, look, it, it, the basic economics are when you screw up capital formation, you actually slow down investments in, in planting equipment that makes us more productive. If you do that, the wages paid to workers actually flatline or go down. And, and this is, you know, not Schweikert economic literature. This is the economic literature on the right and the left, that if you, you want more uh, growth in wages, you make it so money goes where it's most productive. And this concept saying, well, we're going to tax dividends um, or stock buybacks or these sorts of things, that's an occasion where the company is saying, look, we can't get you the rate of return. We're going to give it back to you. Go find some other place to invest it. And instead of that money being out there to be investable where it creates productivity in society, it's saying, no, we're going to just tax it. Last we visited last week, David, we were talking about a couple talking points we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and be able to respond to. And one of them was that Republicans want to cut Social Security. Last night, Joe Biden said that again. Stand up yeah, and, and, and show and, you, show them, Republicans, we will not cut Social Security and Medicare. Okay, now you need to understand, why was that done? Um, our expectation is that is going to be one of the Democrats being in the next election cycle. And what they've been doing is spending lots and lots of resources. Like, you can't walk through the hallways of the Capitol without having a bunch of these liberal kids, which are all employees from the Democratic Congressional Committee, run up to you, shove a camera in your face and say, why are you trying to cut Social Security and Medicare? And every Republican matter says, we're not. But unless they don't say it, if they don't say it just the right way, it's going to be edited into a commercial. You could see this coming for almost a month that Democrats have obviously done some polling and focus groups. And they're building a theme. And this is going to be part of the theme of the Biden presidential campaign and the 2024 Democrat national campaign. Do not think this was just a throw out line. This has been polled and focus group. This is politics, but it's evil politics because the fact of the matter is Social Security Trust Fund is in real mathematical trouble, and we've got to do something to save it. You and I have talked over and yep. over that if we yep. don't do something within almost now, 10 years from now, you're taking, if you're on Social Security, you're taking a 23% cut, and it gets worse every year. We will double senior poverty. 
It's immoral. What the Democrats are doing is absolutely immoral because we've been working bipartisan on a really difficult bill. And um, they may have just succeeded at blowing up. And I need you, I'm stepping out because I have one of my boards I'm going to use tonight. Okay. You need to understand how bad the math is. Okay. Um, so I'm reading from a board, so forgive me if this sounds odd. Increasing the taxable maximum such that 90% of all earnings would be subject to the payroll tax. So that's every, every dime. So if you make a million dollars a year, you're no longer at, what, 142000 So that 12.4% taxes on every dime you earn, it only takes care of 31% of the shortfall. Okay. And that's giving you no, no Social Security benefit. If we give you a Social Security benefit for those additional taxes, it actually takes it down to 17% uh, of, of the shortfall. And I'll get Democrat after Democrat, just raise the taxable portion on Social Security. Okay, fine. But it doesn't, it, 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 the best it does, and that's giving no benefits for those 12.4% additional taxes you're paying. It only covers 31% of the shortfall. It, it, it's, it's like no one here actually owns a calculator and understands the scale of this math. I have to hit a quick commercial break. Do you have time or do you got to run to do a little more? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you. Or if you even have to, a little time, I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll, it. Or, go ahead and do this, but there's a chance they may yank All right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Uh, that's fine. Go do commercial break, and I'm going to organize my boards for my speech. Okay, sounds good. We'll be right with you. I'm Seth Leafs, and he's David Schweikert. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I think we have Congressman David Schweikert, unless he was called to the floor. David, no, are you no, still? You yep. still have me. They haven't, they haven't called me to the floor yet. Before I have you um, go through some of your other charts that you are going to uh, that you can preview with us for your, uh, for your uh, talk tonight, uh, a caller called in during the break and just wanted me to throw you a quick question um, about how much of a problem is the Social, Social Security Trust with regard to legal foreign legal workers here, or foreign legal immigrants here, and Social Security payments? Um, legal workers yeah. um, pay into Social Security. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, um, from a calculation standpoint, that, that's fine. I mean, it's like any worker. Um, one of the legal in, legal out. Parts. Yeah, yeah, legal well, in. Legal. But, but is, do those legal workers substitute domestic who would have been um, you know, U.S. citizens okay. um, as a substitution effect? You, you'd have to argue that it would have an impact if I have a job and it's being, I'm giving it to someone right. else who will work cheaper right. than a domestic worker. Yeah. But in today's labor market, and, and it's uncomfortable, but one of the weird things that was going on years ago is we would have illegal, illegal workers working under fake Social Security numbers. Right. And we were actually getting a spiff on that because they would pay their FICA tax with their illegal Social Security number and then not collect on it. Right. I enter. Uh, that's it. And, and that was just a crazy thing. Um, now... now that wasn't actually mathematically a positive because you'd have to back in how much health care, how much education, how many other costs they had to society. Right. How much is, go- how much so is going out on the other side of the ledger? Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that and, problem and, before. And, you too. know, if you're a low-wage worker, 
Um, people also forget Social Security does have progressivity. Yeah. So if you're a low-wage worker for the 40 quarters, you actually get a higher payback. You know, most of those will actually get more money than they paid in FICA tax. If you're a high-wage worker and you do your 40 quarters, um, your payback on Social Security is actually below what you paid in. But for the average, you actually get a tiny stiff on your total dollars in in constant dollars. I got you. Okay. All right. Uh, I have a good friend uh, who says to me about complicated questions I ask him. He says, I can explain it to you. I can't make you understand it. Try and, <laughs> try and help us understand what you're going to explain tonight, David. Look, um, we've been working on a project because for a lot of us, we've always said, give me, give me the reins and I can find a way to balance in 10 years. The numbers in the last few years have gotten so ugly, and we waited so long to sort of make changes that the 10-year numbers now um, now become very, very difficult. Um, I, I can show you, and one of the charts I'm going to use tonight is if I got rid of every dime of discretionary spending. So there's no military. There's no um, FBI. There's no Park Service. There's just nothing. All government's gone. All we're paying is Social Security, Medicare, um, VA benefits, you know, things that are they're considered earned benefits, mandatory spending. Mm-hmm. You still intend on, on 2034. Now, this was no discretion. So there's no function. Government's all gone. Right. There's no Defense Department. It's all gone. Right. We still borrow. Now, we, do, we haven't finished the interest calculation. So with interest... Uh, expense go down fairly substantially because all that discretionary is gone. Um, but if, if you use the, just the baseline, it's like $300 billion still of borrowing in 2034. You know, the, 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 trying to understand the scale. So if we reach back and use the 2019 budget, in 2034, we're still borrowing, I think it is $1.6 trillion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 2034, so 10 years from now, 10 budget years from now. Um, and we're sort of back to the discussion. If you want to save the country, we've got to start telling the truth about the math and then have a discussion of how you're going to revolutionize two things. Grow the economy, grow the economy, grow the economy. And then the additional one I'm going to throw you is you got to have also revolution in the cost of delivering health care. I've always loved that about you, David. I've always thought that, and I and and you know, it seems more about um, will than ability because we know what to do on the healthcare front, given especially the conversations you and I have. The growing the economy thing is, I think, about explaining and understanding actually, uh, because we have done it before. We have seen how that can work before. We have seen the paradoxical truth that John Kennedy talked about. Right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. But but but. There were times, like we did the 2017 tax reform, we got a nice pop. We need a much more than a pop. We need a long, sustained, dramatic growth. And you've got to be willing. We've got to fix the immigration system. You've got to fix the tax code. You've got to fix trade. You're going to have to fix the bureaucracy. You're going to have to wipe out a bunch of the bureaucracy and find a way to automate what they do. It's just it's where we're at. You're going to have to have a revolution in the cost of health care. You're going to have to cure certain diseases, um, and, and which which are which we're actually getting close to. 
and you got to do almost all of it at the same time. And that is almost the only way I can make the math work. And, and you tell people this, and it just upsets them. And you show them charts, and I'm talking to very smart people, well as you can be, and they look at the chart and say, well, that just can't be. But it is the math. I don't know why it's upsetting. I mean, I do know why it's upsetting, but I don't know why it has to be or should be upsetting because... Well, no, it should be right, upsetting. Right, We've been right, right. lied to for like, decades from everyone. You know, we happily talk to you so we can get reelected. And um, look, you know, I represent one of the smartest and best educated districts in America. They may not like what I'm saying, but they at least know my, my master's good. Um... But most members don't have constituencies like I have, where, you know, the Phoenix Scottsdale areas where, where they're prepared to deal with the reality. But also there's hope. I just need a a bunch of people here to stop thinking like it's the 1990s. And this Mm -hmm. goes particularly for my Democrat colleagues. We just tax people more. It doesn't get you anywhere close, close to what you need. Well, I'm so glad okay. you're doing this. I mean, this is what hey, we need I, is I'm, more seminars on it. I mean, I, because it shouldn't be hard. It really shouldn't be hard. The reform of health care. I get it. There is the lobby. There is the case hey, problem. I, I get oh, that. I, okay. I get that, too. All right, they're waving at me. All right. I'll let you go, David. Right, go get them. So, I appreciate no, no, I, it. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> go get them. Uh, before we go to break, I'll put in a word for our friends at Y Refi, whom you've heard me talking about for some time now. If you have questions about what investing with them can be like and earning those high fixed income, uh, fi- high fixed interest rates they talk about up to 10.25%. They'd love to put you in touch with many of the Phoenix area, any number of many of the Phoenix area customers who have invested with them and are doing just great. Their number is 888-YREFI-34. And think about your IRA too. And if you'd like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on Joe Biden's economy, Y-Refi can help you there, too. Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at 888-Y-Refi-34 by giving them a call or visiting them online at investyrefi.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I was um, thinking about that conversation about what David Schweikert was saying with regard to economic growth and um, illegal immigration and other costs, particularly from health care, that are going to be the ways we're going to fight our way out of increasing budget deficits. As I was having a conversation with someone over the weekend who had a misunderstanding that I think pervades a lot of thinking with regard to economic growth and conservative fiscal policy, particularly when it comes to the kind that I have favored, Steve Forbes has favored, Jack Kemp has favored, Ronald Reagan favored, Robert Mundell has favored, Art Laffer has favored with what the point of tax cuts are. The misunderstanding is that conservatives like tax cuts because it'll lower revenues, lower tax receipts, so that we can lower the cost of government. That's exactly wrong. 
It's exactly wrong, at least if you are listening or learning from the concept of tax relief and tax cut policy as envisioned by the likes of those people I said, Art Laffer, Robert Mundell, Ronald Reagan, Jack Kemp, Steve Forbes, and the like. That is exactly wrong. In fact, I could throw another name in there, John F. Kennedy. In 1962, at the New York Economic Club, he said exactly this, and I will quote directly, directly. Our true choice is not between tax reduction on the one hand and the avoidance of large federal deficits on the other. It is increasingly clear that no matter what party is in power, so long as our national security needs keep rising and economy hampered by restrictive tax rates, will never produce enough revenue to balance our budget, just as it will never produce enough jobs or enough profits. Surely the lesson of the last decade is that budget deficits are not caused by wild-eyed spenders, but by slow economic growth and periodic recessions. In short, it is, still quoting, in short, it is a paradoxical truth that tax rates are too high today and tax revenues are too low, and the soundest way to raise the revenues in the long run is to cut the rates now. The experience of any number of countries from Europe to Asia have borne this out. This country, still quoting, this country's own experience with tax reduction in 1954 bore this out. And the reason is that only full employment can balance the budget and tax reduction can pave the way to that employment. The purpose of cutting taxes now is not to incur a deficit, but to achieve the more prosperous expanding economy which can bring a budget surplus. In other words, raise revenues by having more of an economic engine, more of a tax base, and more money that will become taxable that lower rates bring about with expansion and employment, or what we might just call growth. That wasn't only true of the Kennedy tax rates, which were implemented under the Kennedy tax cuts, which were implemented under Lyndon Johnson. It was true of the Reagan tax cuts. Receipts came in at 19 percent higher at the end of his administration than they were when he took office. 19 percent increase. The Trump tax cuts depending on which ones you look at, whether we're talking about corporate or the personal. On the corporate front, over $500 billion of additional revenue came in as a result of the tax cuts under Donald Trump. It is the paradoxical truth, and you can cite John Kennedy if you don't like citing Jack Kemp or Steve Forbes, that the lower the tax rate, the greater the tax receipts the greater the revenue. Now, that's just the revenue side. What about the cost side? David's absolutely right. There are things that need to be done that are basic common sense, if not law and law enforcement. Think of the billions we lose from it. Just solving the illegal immigration problem, Twenty, but easily $20 trillion. Easily. Easily over the next 10 years, easily. You talk about education, but do you know how much money 
is spent in public education because of illegal illegal immigration? Billions, billions a year. Healthcare, healthcare, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars can be saved with the government not having to do very much except explain to people and talk to people about what really is harming their health so that 90% of our health care costs aren't after you get sick. Welcome back. A recession is a drop in income and consumer spending, a rise in unemployment and increased business failures. Joe Biden won't admit it. He'll redefine it. But income declined last year because of inflation and real estate values are dropping and major companies are laying off thousands and retailers are declaring bankruptcy. Regardless of what Joe Biden says, things are looking much worse And we're in a recession, and it's going to get worse, which is why I recommend calling veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your money with the stability of gold with the only dealer Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already know, the Midas Gold Group. Gold holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruins of a recession. Get your hedge against all of that today by talking with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. They'll answer your questions and help you protect your savings and investments with the security of gold. MidasGoldGroup.com is their website. MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. David, I didn't ask you what your lapel pin is. It's not a lapel because you're wearing a sweater, but what is the pin on your uh, vest today? Charles Curtis in 1928. Of course, what does it say I about Charles I, uh, Curtis? Just gave away the date. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. What does I, I? What does it say about? I don't know a ton about him. I, he was uh, he was the vice president for Herbert Hoover, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And but despite what is the, many what, what's uh, the pin contradict, <laughs> contradictions? Yeah. with the uh, current office holder, he was the first non-Caucasian. He was part uh, Indian, wasn't he? Or Native American in the parlance of our time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, yes. I'm right. right. Is from Kansas, maybe, or somewhere like that? Kansas? Native? Part, part, Kansas. Yeah, yep. partly Native. So what's the pin say? For president. For president. He there ran, was a move to make him president? He ran in 28 and uh, was uh, next best, and I believe that's why he was the running mate with Hoover. Oh, he lost <coughs> lost to Hoover in 28 and became Just his running mate? Yes. I gotcha. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize. I, I guess I, I really don't know very much about him. I didn't even know he had made a, shot, uh, uh, a show for president. Senate Majority Leader. Also Senate Charles time. Curtis. Is there a reason that you decided to buy, much less wear, a Charles Curtis pin? <laughs> Uh, the reason for buying, because I have the collection, and yeah. one is never enough. Yeah, one is never <laughs> enough. Wearing it today? Well, to stump you. <laughs> oh, no, okay. All right. Well, I, I I think I told you everything I know about him, which isn't a lot. But uh, Kansas, I think, yeah? Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay, all right. Vice president, uh, one term, and uh, yeah, okay. Because he wouldn't have run, he wouldn't have run again. In uh, 36, that would have been Alf Landon. But mm-hmm. I think Alf Landon is also from Kansas. That's also correct, yes. And who was Alf Landon's daughter? Oh, now you've got me. Very famous senator named Nancy Kassebaum, who ended up marrying an even more famous senator named Howard Baker. Oh, no way. Who would wow. later serve as Reagan's chief of staff. That's right. Yeah, Senator Baker. Goes all the way up to Alf Landon. He was he would have been the son-in-law <laughs> of Alf Landon. 
I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. See, there you go. You, you wear a Charles Curtis pin and you get yeah, in trouble. Yeah, and then that's how it starts. <laughs> Speaking of illegal immigration, there was a hearing today at the Heritage Foundation on the border. And uh, I thought I would play this. This man has been a guest of ours uh, several times, Mark Morgan. He was the former commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Uh, contrary to um, what Alejandro Mayorkas says about our border being secure, this is uh, Mark Morgan with, uh, with the receipts. Let's go back. 1.2 million known gotaways. U.S. Border Patrol agents, such a joke. It's probably in excess of 2 million total gotaways. Gosh. In the same 24-month period, CBP has encountered over 72,000 criminals, 72,000 criminals, including 120 for convicted of murder, thousands of those arrested for assault and murder, and, and, and thousands of gang members, including MS-13, on a daily basis that now call the United States home. From 2011 to 2022, 261,000 uh, illegal aliens committed 433,000 crimes, including 800 homicides, 800 kidnappings, and 5,000 sexual assaults. You know what the mic drop there is? That's the state of Texas alone. Let's go back. 1.2 million known gotaways. I don't know how you deal with that. 1.2 million known gotaways. 1.2 million. Over 80. Now I think the last number I saw was over 90 caught at the border on the terrorist watch list. 90 caught. Over a million gotaways. What percentage are in that? What is the cost of all that, by the way? Speaking of money out. What is the cost of all that, never mind education and health care? It's unbearable. It's unbearable, and I hate to even talk about cost when you're talking about the social destruction of human life. As uh, these hearings on social media will continue over their censorship of not just political information, i.e. the laptop story, the real problem, I mean, that's a, that is a real problem. It changed a presidential election. It may have changed other elections, too, but it changed a presidential election. But the real one was what Nancy Mace was talking about. I'm sure others were, too. I just grabbed her audio when I saw her interrogating about the censorship of medical doctors and professors of medicine. That non-medical doctors, whose expertise was social media and nothing more, working at Twitter and Facebook, censored what they were saying about COVID restrictions and COVID mitigation strategies. One of the problems with that censorship is if you're not hardworking enough or diligent enough or interested enough to do your own research, you buy the narrative and you stick with the narrative and you get shamed by those who buy the narrative. You get shamed by them because they are going to be the vast majority. The vast, the vast majority do not have the time, interest, courage, or expertise to do their own research on this stuff, which is why we obviously try and bring in those experts that can and do our best to do it ourselves here too. I remember running into a think tank type on the liberal side in Washington, D.C., who was reading some of my pieces on COVID. I was in D.C. for an event or something, and... Ran into him on the street, an old friend of mine on the left. 
at, uh, I, I shouldn't say the think tank. It's a liberal one, and you would know it. Think not heritage, okay? And um, he said to me, uh, it's about a year after, this would have been about mid, mid-2021, so about a year into the COVID thing. He said, Seth, you were right about everything you wrote, except you got some of those children numbers wrong. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But because of the censorship, we got a lot wrong. Wait till you hear about this new study, comprehensive study, about masks. We've talked a lot about vaccines. We've talked a lot about shutdowns. We've talked a lot about school closures. Talked about increasing drug use. Wait till you hear what I tell you about masks. Bet you won't hear a lot about it. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about Y-Refi, and if you still have questions about it, what investing with them is like, they ask you to give them a call, and they're happy to put you in touch with any number of their very satisfied customers in the Phoenix area who have been happily investing with them and getting those great high fixed returns. Their number is 888-Y-REFI-34. Think about using your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market. Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn? Tax deferred. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y-R-E-F-Y.com. Really great people. All right. From uh, the pen of Jacob Sullum. After questioning the value of general mask wearing early in the COVID-19 pandemic, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention decided the practice was so effective that it should be legally mandated even for two-year-olds. Well, a new review of the evidence suggests the CDC had it right the first time. Not valuable. The review, published by the Cochrane Library, an authoritative collection of scientific databases, analyzed 18 randomized controlled trials, sometimes known as RCTs, that aim to measure the impact of surgical masks or N95 respirators on the transmission of respiratory viruses. It found that wearing a mask in public places, quote, probably makes little or no difference in the number of infections. These findings go to the heart of the case for mask mandates, a policy that generated much resentment and acrimony. They also show that the CDC, which has repeatedly exaggerated the evidence in favor of masks, cannot be trusted as a source for this kind of public health information. In September of 2020, then-CDC Director Robert Redfield described masks as, quote, the most important, powerful public health tool we have, close quote. The evidence is clear. Rochelle Walensky, Redfield's successor, insisted in November that wearing a mask, quote, reduces your chance of infection by more than 80 percent, close quote. Three months later, the CDC claimed a study it published had shown that mask wearing lowered the odds of testing positive by as much as 83 percent. These statements were based on two sources of evidence with widely recognized drawbacks, lab experiments in stylized conditions and observational studies that do not fully account for variables that affect virus transmission. Randomly controlled trials are designed specifically to avoid these problems by comparing disease rates among subjects randomly assigned to wear masks in real-life situations with disease rates in a control group. Had no effect. Little to no effect. 
and all of that was censored too. This is a survey of 18 random controlled trials, the kind of study you should be doing. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. A lot more coming up. Be right back. 